and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. We're hoping to talk to Chris Mannix coming up here momentarily, your daily assist. Chris, of course, writes for Sports Illustrated, so we'll get his thoughts on what's going on with the Utah Jazz, as well as uh, what's happening around the rest of the uh, uh, around the rest of the NBA. Um, up next for the Jazz, though, Gordon, they take on Brooklyn tomorrow night. Uh, if you're just tuning in, Kevin Durant uh, will not be with uh, the Nets. He's out because of uh, COVID-19 protocols. Uh, he's going to be out for a week. And, but uh, you, you know what? The Kyrie Irving, uh, Kevin Durant thing, Gordon. I don't know if we know exactly what it's going to be yet, but I think we confirmed that both those players are still pretty good. Yeah, I think so. And it's remarkable how many times you face a team or you see a team that is undermanned from a standpoint of who's available and who isn't, who, and they really come out and play well. Uh, and there's a lot of talent in the NBA. I don't know very many players that are of the same level as Kevin Durant, but uh, – I, I wouldn't be a bit surprised to see them come out and play very, very well. Well, we'll we'll see. I mean, it's been. Let's see. I'm just uh, looking into the Nets a little bit here, Gordon. They're three and four on the year, which yeah. is not awesome. They did lose to the Wizards the other night, which was a surprise because uh, I don't think the Wizards are going to be very good. Uh, they have a loss to the Hawks. They also have a win over the Hawks. They've lost to the Grizzlies, lost to the Hornets, beat the Celtics, beat the Warriors. So how much of that is just the wackiness of the early part of the season, do you think? Or do you think or do you think they're not really as good as we thought? No, they'd be? I well they deserve time to, to mesh together too. And Steve Nash has never done it before, so you know, being a head coach that is. So uh, you know, I don't think you can come to any conclusions as of yet. Uh it is time. Let's go ahead and get to it. Austin, hit that open. It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, Chris Mannix. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Writes for Sports Illustrated, he is Chris Mannix. Happy New Year, Chris. What's going on, guys? Hey, we're just uh, talking about the Jazz' next opponent, uh, the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, Kevin Durant uh, out for a week thanks to COVID-19 tracing. But give us your give us your take on the Nets and uh, if it will work and how it will work. Well, they with Durant, they are a outstanding offensive team. Um, you know, Durant physically looks like he's all the way back, uh, and it's not just offensively, but some of the defensive sequences I've watched him play have been fantastic. So I, I think he, if he gets enough games in, is going to be an MVP candidate this year. And Kyrie, you know, for all of his, you know, behind the scenes madness, he is still one of the most skilled players in the entire NBA in a proven score at that uh, position. So I, I think they've got a great chance to be dynamite offensively. It's just, defensively they're lacking Kevin Durant plays a lot of four with this team that leaves them a little soft physically up front 
DeAndre Jordan, Jared Allen have been fine, but they need a little more physicality and a little more defense to, to be considered uh, among the elite teams uh, in the NBA. But, look, it's a good starting point to have, you know, an ex-MVP uh, and a great all-star guard in Kyrie Irving, like Kyrie Irving, to build around. Chris, the Jazz at uh, four and two at this point. It looks as though Mike Conley is Mike Conley again. He's rediscovered himself and he's been playing terrific. Yeah, and, and look, that was picking up before the stoppage last season. You start to see Mike Conley get more comfortable in in that Quinn Snyder offense. And, and look, we talked about this a lot. That's sort of to be expected. I mean, you know, Mike played one way in Memphis for a number of years. It's not an easy adjustment to kind of step into a new coach, new system, new teammates, and play entirely differently. But he's a very smart player. And, you know, going back to the end of last season or the middle of before the stoppage, he was he looked like he was comfortable in that jazz system. And you're seeing uh, some of that right now. I mean, there are other problems with Utah. I don't think Bogdanovic is all the way back at this point, and, and that's going to take some time. And like everybody else in the league, the jazz defense isn't very good. Uh but, you know, overall, you've got to be enthused by, by some of the things you're seeing with Utah. Shaq had some strong words about Rudy Gobert in a podcast saying something along the lines of uh, all you have to do to get $205 million is uh, average 11 points. Why do you think Shaq's picking on Rudy? Well, I mean, it's, it's, I think in part it's sour grapes from anybody that didn't play in this era. I mean, Shaq would have loved to have been a $205 million man based on those types of numbers i think you know shaq's point is you know you know, gobert's not you know the not the kind of player i was not an all-around type of player and that's fine but you're worth what you're worth in the nba and the jazz deemed you know gobert's presence especially defensively as being worth committing that kind of income to all it takes is one team to 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 feel that way i mean you look at what gordon hayward got this offseason with uh with charlotte you know 120 million dollars he really worth that no but the hornets Decided he was. I mean, I, look, I, I've heard this a lot from players who played in different eras. Um, you know, seeing the money just explode in today's NBA. Uh, but I really do think it's more sour grapes than anything else. These guys, most of them, I mean, Shaq got paid for sure, but most of them want, wish they were getting paid the type of dollars these players are getting paid. Chris, uh, Jake, and I were talking earlier about how the, in the Jazz losses, the two losses. Donovan Mitchell was not particularly efficient, and we wondered if he was going to go out and, and try to uh, impose his will on games like he did in the bubble at times against Denver. But he's kind of gone the other way. He's been looking for his teammates and finding them with uh, open shots, and the Jazz have seemed to prosper under that. What should a star player like him do? Is it good for him to back off on occasion as far as looking for his own shot as opposed to always playing like a star? Yeah, I I think it's better to back off, especially in regular season situations. I mean, if you're Donovan Mitchell, you're young – and you're obviously extremely talented offensively, but you've got to share the wealth, and you've got to make sure that teammates are involved during games, in part to make sure they're there when you really need them in the fourth quarter, and in part to make sure you're not burnt out. I mean, how many times in the playoffs in the last four years have we seen James Harden just hit a wall? And I'm not trying to compare Harden and, and Donovan specifically, but when you, you know, exercise that type of energy, exercise that type of energy in the regular season, there's a consequence to it in the playoffs. So, 
you know, you certainly want to see him in end-of-game situations taking over last five, six minutes. But for the previous 40 or 42, whatever it may be, you've uh, you've got to make sure everybody else is, is getting involved. So I think that mindset is the right one for Donovan Mitchell. Chris, I don't know if you're a big Office fan, but there's a there's an episode where Michael looks at Toby uh, and says, why are you the way that you are? Uh, <laughs> keep that in mind for a second, because in Sacramento, Marvin Bagley's dad tweets out that the Kings should trade Marvin Bagley, and then De'Aaron Fox's dad tweets out and agrees and says, yes, the Kings should trade Marvin Bagley. Why are the Kings the way that they are? I mean, it, it, it's a good question. Um, but they're certainly a team that's been plagued by goofiness for decades. Um, you know, whether it's the DeMarcus Cousins stuff or the things that are happening more recently with Vlade Divac, and now here we are uh, with another situation. I mean, I, I look, I, I think if you're Marvin Bagley, you got to tell your dad not to do that. Like, just to, you know, it doesn't do anybody any favors. Like, you know, his dad demanding a trade for his son you know, isn't going to change or isn't going to motivate Monty McNair, the GM there, to do anything. And I don't know why De'Aaron Fox's father would ever get involved in, in something like that. It just, it, look, it just infects the locker room. And even though the media is not around as much anymore physically, these players are all going to get asked about it. Even if they have nothing to do with it, they're all going to get asked about it and have to come up with some type of answer to this particular situation. And, look, that festers. You know, it, it becomes a talking point, you know, amongst guys in the locker room with each other and, you know, with with other people, and it just has the ability to derail a season pretty quickly. I mean, I've, look, maybe they should trade Marvin, Marvin Bagley. I mean, the fact is, they should have drafted Marvin Bagley in the first place. Should have drafted Luka Doncic with that spot. But um, if Marvin Bagley's not happy there, you know, it certainly is worth a conversation about you know what his future is going to be. Chris, we've talked with you in the past about jumping to conclusions and, and getting there too early at this point in the season. But what do you make of the Suns? Are they one of the better teams in the West? Do you believe this? Yeah, I'm I'm buying into the Suns as kind of a middle-of-the-pack playoff team right now. Um, you know, Chris Paul was kind of the round peg, round hole type of fit for them. I mean, Ricky Rubio was really good for them the last few years. But Chris Paul, you know, takes them to another level. You've got a guy that can not only help players around him get better, and I think there are seven players in Phoenix averaging double figures right now, but in the fourth quarter, he's another offensive option. And, you know, for the last few years, it's been load up on Devin Booker and nobody else could really help. Now you have Chris Paul, who was one of the better clutch scorers in the league last season, uh, there to take some of the pressure off. So, yeah, I mean, look, I still have my questions about the front court. I'm not going to buy into DeAndre Ayton just yet as kind of a winning player in the playoffs. But, you know, their their backcourt is really solid. Their role players with Bridges and others are really good. Uh, if they can get you know consistency from that front court, they can be a really tough team in the playoffs. Kind of a similar question, but about Atlanta in the East. Are they, how legit are they? I don't know. I mean, that's another team that that is really good offensively, but just abhorrent defensively. Like they they just give up points by the dozen. And you know, I, I think they made some good moves. They made some great moves. Really, probably one of the better off seasons of anyone in the league with Bogdanovic and Rajon Rondo and Danilo Gallinari and all these guys are going to help make them a playoff team. But until they get stops, I, I don't I don't know what to think of them. I, I just don't. I mean, you know, Trey Young is having another brilliant offensive season. He's getting the free throw line like 12 times per game. And he's got a little Chris Paul in him as well where he's learned how to kind of stop short and have guys run over him and he'll get to the free throw line. 
Uh, but none of them defend, at least not at a high, particularly high level. So I, I need to see more of that. I mean, they're outscoring teams right now. Uh, we'll see where they are in February, March, when things settle in. Are they able to to be a better defensive team? If they are, they're they're certainly a, a playoff team for sure, uh, and maybe more if they can get better on that end. Of course, the Jazz played the Spurs yesterday. Now, as we mentioned, they have the Nets coming up on the road, and then the Knicks on the road, the Bucks on the road, the Pistons on the road, the Cavs on the road, and the Wizards on the road. Are road games uh, not what they once were with the fans not there? Is this an opportunity not to be afraid of these kinds of long trips? Well, I mean, the long trips are they're, they're problematic for several reasons, right? Like, you know, you go into a hostile arena, that's bad. But really just being on the road as often as they are, and I don't want to express too much sympathy for people that fly on private jets and stay in five-star hotels and all that, but – it can be a drag, especially when you get towards the last two or three games uh, of that trip. So I think that part of these road trips are still there. But there's no question, uh, you know, you're basically playing in a neutral site every single day. You know, whether it's at home or or on the road, you're you're, you're not feeling any type of of way about being in that building. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think it comes down. I thought this in the bubble. It comes down to mental toughness. Like, how many can these teams? be mentally tough and disciplined to avoid situations like we saw when the Clippers came to Salt Lake City and had to quarantine a bunch of guys because they were getting sloppy. And obviously Durant got a situation of his own that he's dealing with. You've got to be real disciplined and real mentally tough to get through this season. And the teams that do, uh, at least in the regular season, are going to have a chance to, to put themselves in a good position. Chris, thank you very much as always. We appreciate you. Talk to you next week. You got it, guys. Chris Mannix, uh, senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, and he joins us on Mondays, uh, part of your daily assist. Do you think there are some players who actually look forward to going out on the road and playing in front of a hostile crowd? And yes. That that actually spins their beanie. But uh, in this case, you know, you face a bunch of darkness. Do you remember, uh, um, let's see here, it was uh, when Gordon Hayward was still with the Jazz, and it was the year before they finally made the playoffs. And they were in contention for the playoffs. And Darren Williams was washing out of the league with the Mavericks. And and the fans booed him. And Darren had just this amazing game to eliminate yeah. the Jazz from the playoffs. Uh-huh. Like he was yep. 20 years old. Again. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, don't, I, I think that was the end of his last season. And he still managed. He played with the Cavs after that. Did he I play think, with the, but... Oh, you're right. He did. Because they tried to tape it together for a run with LeBron. You're right about that. But he he eliminated the Jazz from the playoffs because the fans booed him. <laughs> said as much in the post. He did. He said as much in the post. That's right. Some players, I mean, they just love that stuff, you know. And others, not so much. Well, it'll be interesting. I, uh, we were talking about this uh, with David on last night's broadcast. You know, I, I've been saying uh, I can't wait to read all the books written about the bubble. But I'll read the book uh, written about this season, too, because I think that you're going to see a lot more road teams win. And uh, you're, we're, we're going to see the effectiveness of fans and that sort of thing kind of proven out. I, I think we've seen it in other sports. You know, college football was wacky. You couldn't count on the home team getting an advantage. Well, that that is punitive for the Jazz because, you know, they usually play pretty well at home, and some of that has to do with the travel of uh, the opponent, uh, you know, coming around to Salt Lake City on their way back east or wherever. But uh, 
they they don't get the boost that they normally do on their home floor. So we'll see if it has those advantages on the road, but it uh, hurts them at home. Well, for example, Gordon, last night there were eight games, six of which were won by the road team. Yeah. That, okay, in, in normal life, that never happens. Yeah. And it actually looked for a hot minute last night like all eight road teams were going to win. That didn't end up happening. But, I mean, that would be unheard of in a normal time. Yeah. Well, <laughs> have at it then, right? Because this is the long, isn't this the longest road trip of the season? Yes, it's the longest road trip the Jazz have had since the Winter Olympics in 02. Wow. One, two, three, four, seven, five, six, seven. Yep. yep. Seven. And and it's you know it makes sense you know you get your traveling out in big chunks and uh, you know think of ways to to mitigate risk and I, I think that's a, a smart one so you certainly understand. It's kind of interesting because after they get off that long trip, then they have one game at home against the Hawks, and then they go back out on the road for one game against the Nuggets, and then they have one, two, three, four, five, six home games in a row. And they go away for one game again against the Nuggets, and they come back home again. So giveth and taketh. All right, we'll have uh, more Big Show uh, coming up. Big thanks to Chris Mannix for dropping by. Matt Harpering will be with us at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. Stay tuned. Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Utah's highest-rated, most-listened-to sports radio afternoon show. This is The Big Show, presented by Big O' Tires. Stop by your locally-owned Big O' Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O' Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 Zone. Thank you very much for making us part of your day. Big thanks to Chris Mannix for jumping on with us in the uh, last segment. We'll get that up online at 1280thezone.com. Gordon, the, the Jazz take on the Nets coming up tomorrow night. Nets don't play any defense. We talked to Chris a little bit about that. Uh, I, I would think that uh, this, this offensive streak continues to click. For the Jazz, because uh, Kevin Durant probably their best defensive player, and he's not going to be there. And maybe you'd say DeAndre Jordan or a big or something like that. But as far as you know, uh, somebody that can go guard the other team's best player, uh, I bet you the Jazz uh, score more than the one thirty they had last night. Uh, certainly possible. And you and I discussed this earlier in the show. Then obviously you're going to score. Typically, you're going to score more if the other team is a little bit disinterested in playing defense. Not uh, rocket science there, but uh, but then he brought up the whole Clippers thing. And, you know, you know tried to submarine what I was saying. Well, but, they are pretty good at defense, <laughs> and yet the Jazz were able to win. So we'll see if they can do it under these circumstances. You're right. Isn't that weird? When you said that, it made me stop in my tracks for a minute. But Kevin Durant is a great defensive player. He is. Uh huh. You think of him and you think of his remarkable scoring ability, but dude can play at both ends. There's no doubt about that. You just don't. That's not the first thing that comes to mind when you think of him. But they won't have 
that advantage at either end against the Jets. Well, I mean, to, to be fair, Kevin has some real built-in advantages when it comes to defense. So if he were a bad defender, he'd have to <laughs> try you mean to be athleticism bad at seven feet tall. That helps. Um, seven feet tall uh, with that kind of length. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not sure exactly off the top of my head what Kevin Durant's wingspan is, but if you have two eyes, you can tell it's huge. And he's got that that lateral quickness and, you know, yeah, there's a lot of things that give him an advantage on the defensive side of the ball. You know, Austin might know this. I'm not sure because he's a degenerate gambler type, you know, but I wondered if, you know, what the line is on that game. I I, I don't know. You know, that's pretty uh, easy for you to find out, right? Uh, you mean Google? Uh, I mean, Google or, or even just go to ESPN like I'm on, and you could tell that the Jazz are favored by two and a half points. Hmm. Although the matchup predictor does not support that line. I know, Sports but the matchup that. predictor doesn't know anything <laughs> compared to the magic uh, sports picking wizard in Vegas. <laughs> that that knows everything, knows all, is omnipotent. Ah. So let me ask you uh, of such expertise, what, what if you were going to predict the score in that game, what would you say? Keeping in mind the over-under is at 228 and a half. <laughs> That wizard, he knows. <laughs> he knows. Uh, I don't know. Uh, so you think in one twenty to one ten? I think that they it has the ability to be in the you know one twenty or north of that for sure. I, I wonder. You know, it depends on what the Jazz do defensively, which I think they've been consistently good. I don't know if I'd throw them in the great category just yet, but I think they've been pretty consistently good on defense. Mm-hmm. But I still don't. I mean, they don't have anybody who's going to keep Kyrie Irving in front of them. Yeah. So and that, that seems that's to be, be an, an issue. issue, and maybe that's an issue for every team, but it's certainly one for the Jazz. Some more than others, and, and that's why Rudy Gobert is so valuable, um, so valuable to this Jazz team. Because if it weren't for Rudy, the Jazz would be a subpar defensive team, pretty significantly. Don't tell Shaq that. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, okay. Shaq's just jelly. Notice that Chris said basically the same thing I did when we were talking <laughs> about that. Oh man. Every once in a while, I'll agree with the old vets, but sometimes I think they're just popping off. Well, they're yeah. just, I, I mean, when Shaq was playing uh, somewhere, uh, Wilt was like, well, it's not worth that much. Which championship team was it that uh, that Brian Russell was telling us that time that the Jazz, that his Jazz team would have dominated? Was it the Warriors? Oh, it might have been. What was it? I think it was the Warriors when he came on with us a couple of years ago. Is that yeah. what you're talking about? Uh-huh. Yeah, I think it was the Warriors because that was in the middle of their reign. Well, I mean, guys take pride in the times they played. And uh, even though we thought they were all making a ton of money compared to what, what's going on these days, I guess uh, there is reason to be a little, as you said, jelly. Well, I think his reasoning is dumb. I mean, I don't think he, you're points per game average is uh, representative of your entire value to a team. I, f- I find that ridiculous. But you know what? A lot of NBA people think that way. I mean, what, well, what was Jabari Parker's famous uh, famous comment, right? They don't pay me to play defense or whatever yeah, he was yeah. he was saying out there. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's part of the reason why I totally believe in the contract year phenomena, where all of a sudden these players feel like they need to go out and average 20. And there's and there's uh, or twenty plus or whatever because they've got to get that big deal because, uh, you know, points per game is all that matters. And I I think that that's 
Uh, I think that that take lacks critical thinking. Hmm. But I do, Jake, I do understand why some of the old timers get frustrated at recency bias. You know, everyone thinking that the guys that are playing right now are so much better than anybody back in that day. I remember I saw a, uh, an online poll and I don't even know who sponsored it or whether, you know, how legitimate it was. But it was somebody was asking the question, who was the better quarterback, Russell Wilson or Steve Young? And you would have thought people had absolutely forgotten who Steve Young was because it was overwhelmingly in favor of Russell Wilson. And I thought, man, Russell Wilson's really good, but so was Steve. And I – and. Uh, See, I, I, I have the opposite impression. It, it's always back in my day, people. I mean, you try calling <laughs> LeBron James the best player ever, and you'll have a zillion Michael Jordan fans oh, telling yeah, you how the, dumb you are. MJ is like the remarkable exception. Yeah. I don't think so. I don't, I don't think so. People, they get dragged on Twitter all the time for saying LeBron is better than Michael Jordan. Well, I think that one's a little bit uh, in a different arena. But uh, do you think that? How is it? But, wait, but, wait, wait. What do you mean, different arena? Well, MJ was is the greatest. I mean, we. I mean, according that's just, to you. Yeah, according to me. But I think according to a whole lot of people. Well, and when people were calling MJ the greatest, some Bill Russell fan somewhere was complaining about it. I, I think it has more to do with your generation than than it does that uh, recency bias. Oh, that, that's I'm not just sure. my I'm opinion. Not sure. No, I see. I don't agree with that because I see these great athletes now, and I think they are great. But I think some of the younger people sometimes do forget or they never saw how great some of these ones that have gone before them really were. All right. Well, let's put this to the test. Who's the greatest quarterback of all time? Um, Go ahead. We know you want to say it. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, I'd probably. Yeah, I, I mean, I probably would go with Tom Brady. See, you're guilty of it, too. Why? Recency bias, man. He's played no, late. That's why we, you are you that kidding opinion. me? Uh-huh. The first name that comes to my mind is Joe Montana. But then I had to think about it, and I went back and forth. I, uh, uh, You know, I mean, I, I hold both of those guys in great respect as far as how great they were. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then you have your Peyton Manning types, who you hate. Well, he certainly wasn't the best of all time. Well, who was? Well, I just I asked you that opinion because you're the one who's who's yelling at the sky. Question: How dare you, recency bias? Answer the question. Well, yeah, Tom Brady is the best of all time. Uh, My answer: uh, Bart Starr. (laughs) You didn't even see Bart play. I don't want to hear that crap. But see, now you're contradicting yourself again. You have to have seen them play. Well, then that's like the definition of recency bias. Because those people answering that poll question about Russell Wilson probably never saw Steve Young play. Again, I think it has way more to do with the era in which you grow up uh, and and uh, appreciate your formative years. Like, PK still says uh, Buck Johnson is the best NBA player of all time. I mean, <laughs> no, he it, it, uh, he, I've heard it from his lips. He does, yeah. Yes. So it, it's all a matter of perspective. I don't think it's a recency bias. It's I think why it's, when someone says Wilt Chamberlain, I roll my eyes and go, maybe. I don't know. I can't tell you. Yeah, right. <laughs> he was great. He was. I see it a lot, Jake. I see a lot where people seem to have forgotten. It's not always the case, but uh, 
I think you're forgetting how great Bart was with your Tom Brady take. Oh, I love Bart Starr, man. I was a huge Packer fan when I was a kid. (laughs) Who was was the mobile guy for the Raiders? Is that dude's name? Schroeder? No. uh, No, not Jay Schrader. Yeah, Jay Schrader. (laughs) But that would have been a good answer. Uh, no, the guy. one the guy who played Gannon? for uh, no, the guy who played for Madden. For, oh, for crying out loud, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's a, I don't know who you're Never talking mind. about. I'm trying to think of old quarterbacks. Mark Wilson. <laughs> Let's see, great Raiders. Ken Stabler. There, that's it. He wasn't particularly mobile, was he? I thought he was known for uh, for running. Some. He was known for drinking a fifth of Jack Daniels. What <laughs> he was? Like in one sitting? Uh he was a he was a good old boy. Because if you yeah. drink a bottle of Jack Daniels in one sitting, you're not standing up. <laughs> By the way, PK confirmed it and said he is. He I just got a text from our guy. He thinks that Magic was better than Michael, really? That's what I'm saying Magic Johnson is pound for pound the best point guard who ever lived. But that's PK's perspective, which I... Well, Magic was awfully good. He was way better than you ever gave him credit for. We know how you feel about Buck. It's all right. I love L.A. Yeah, we know. And you love Tommy. PK's not a Laker fan. Okay. Uh (laughs) L-A-K-E-R-S. PK is not a Lakers fan. He is a he just, he just he just watched Magic play. He was he was absolutely phenomenal. Okay. So I don't think it's recency's bias. I think it's the bias of whomever you're talking to. All right. Well, um, what my point originally was that there's a lot of recency bias because people don't have the the frame of reference. They they didn't see with their own two eyes some of the things that went on. Now I will grant you that in general I think athleticism has improved with along with training and nutrition and a lot of the other things. So you have to take that into consideration, but. That's why these these conversations are so difficult, really, to settle on, because who really knows? Correct. Except for you do about Tom Brady, and that's not recency no, bias. No, I, I even have to I, I have to think uh, long and hard about that because there there have been – I mean, was, is Tom Brady really better than Joe Montana? I, I don't know. Neither one of them can hold a candle to Archie Manning. <laughs> or if you want to go back to like, uh, you know, uh, who um, who's the old? What's the first quarterback you can think of? Maybe Bob Waterfield. <laughs> Never heard of him. <laughs> Isn't he the manager at the Ace Hardware Store? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Bob Waterfield. Well, you hear people talk about Roger Stallbach as though you know he he's. He's a demigod, you know. Even when I was watching him play, I thought he was good. I didn't think he was the best ever. But you talk to a longtime Cowboy fan about that. Bob Waterfield died in 1983. <laughs> 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 you right, are nuts. Stay tuned. Bob Waterfield. Not Sports Report next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Check this out. And now your Not Sports Report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. 
and the Zone Sports Network. Big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 975 and 1280 the zone. It's time, it's time to get a winner for the Chevy Strong play of the game. Be caller 12 right now, 855-340-Zone. And God correctly uh, correctly identify the Chevy Strong play of the game announced by DJ and PK this morning at 850, and you'll win his own prize pack. It's the Chevy Strong play of the game brought to you by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers right here on the Zone Sports Network. you have a sandwich you want to eat it's, on air too? Or? <laughs> it's time for the Not Sports Report <laughs> brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles and inventory. Shop online, LHMUsedCars.com. Gordon, where are we going today? I don't know where this happened. I think it was across the pond. But before we get to that, now I have a serious question to ask about this story. But before I get to that, real quick, this is a little uh, uh, consumer tip or maybe a tip for anybody who drives a car. I read a story uh, earlier today about how advising against warming up your car in the cold weather uh, before you drive it. Advising against it? Yeah. For what reason? Well, they said that uh, it could create problems because the reason it was a good idea to warm up your car back in the day was because cars had carburetors in them. But nowadays, most cars are fuel injected and that there's there's no real need to warm up your car before you drive it. In fact, it can harm your car. And it gave a bunch of reasons for it that I didn't pay much attention to. But that sort of surprised me. Does that surprise you? Wait a minute. The, the reasons are the important part of the story. Oh, it had something to do with the mix between gas and oil and blah, 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 blah. I don't what do you mean blah, 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 blah. If I'm going to like alter the way that I do something, I better know why. Not just because I read it in some headline. Oh, it's not really important, you know. No, no, no. Just, just don't do it. You're, you're, are you a, are you an easy sell at the uh, electronics store where you say, no, "Hey, I you should know. buy this one. This is the best." Uh, oh, you don't yeah, you don't follow I it up with why? <laughs> it's like the old Brian Regan joke. I told you it's a mix between here. I'll tell you. This Hold fridge keeps second. your cold food for a thousand dollars. This fridge no. keeps your cold food cold for two thousand dollars. Don't don't spare me the why. Just please take my credit card. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, and I'll tell you zero Hold interest. Now nah, give me the interest. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, it says here, um, yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, most engines are now fuel injected. I've always Googled. You don't need to idle. The engine will warm during gentle driving without putting too much load on it before it reaches operating temperature. As idling is unnecessary for most cars, doing so for too long on a cold day could cause problems for your engine. Letting your car warm up can cause engine oil dilution, which is uh, where raw gasoline seeps into the oil breaking down the oil's lubrication properties and increasing the wear. We actually may or may not have recently had a staff member who may or may not have left their car idling by accident for what may or may not have been several hours out in a parking lot. Uh 
they had to get their oil changed. I'm but sure they Other did. than that, it was just fine. Uh, it, it, by the way, it, this assumes that you're warming up the car to, uh, for some reason, be good to your engine. I just want the cab warm. <laughs> yeah, those ice caps okay. are going to melt anyway. <laughs> well, well, yeah, Keep obviously. my hands in tushy warm. <laughs> That's all I'm really uh, Jake, caring about. Jake idles no matter where he is. He never turns it off. Carbon footprint. Whatever. Huh. I, I want to be toasty warm when I get into that cab. You get frostbite driving to work. Except I, for, I don't... Go ahead. No, I mean, just the, the reason not to do that one is is uh, because one day you're going to, like, start your car and go inside and then come back out and the car is going to be gone. That happens. That does happen. All right, so here's the real story I wanted to get to. I can neither confirm or nor deny the uh, story we just talked about, but it's just something to think about. If you're concerned about it, you can look it up and decide for yourself. Uh, Jake, um, what do you think about this? A woman has been criticized by both her husband and his family for refusing to name her unborn daughter after her husband's late wife. Wait, so being criticized for, hit me with that one more time. Okay, she's being criticized by her husband and his family for refusing to name her unborn daughter, she's pregnant obviously, after her husband's late wife. And it's his daughter as well that she's pregnant with, just yes. to be clear. Okay. Not the male man. The woman and her hubby are expecting a little girl, but unlike many parents who find naming their newborn challenging, the dad-to-be knew what he wanted to name his newborn, the name of his now deceased wife. Hmm. And she is refusing to do it and uh, hence being criticized by him and his family because it's an important name to him and them. Hmm. And she responded, I know that it's sad that she passed away, but I think I am being reasonable enough by having their wedding pics still around, as well as oh. him wearing their wedding rings around his neck. Hmm. But I think naming our child after her is a step too far. Am I wrong? Jake, is she wrong? Hmm. Now, I'm having a tough time caring about this. <laughs> but Which is true for... Well, You're really trying? I just don't understand how somebody would actually like write a news article about something Why like this. Why would anybody I, possibly I, care I about this? I just don't understand how some writer was like, God, this is interesting. But it sounds to me like this bro shouldn't have gotten remarried. Sounds to you me think like he still has some things to work through. Yeah, sounds to me like he's still pretty attached and going through some stuff. Yeah, like which is understandable uh, completely. Yeah. But uh, I think that that remarrying might not have been a great idea for him, and she maybe should have seen some warning signs uh, that this this might be an issue. And so, it, it sounds like she's being extremely charitable and uh, and uh, understanding, understanding in this relationship. Yeah. yeah. So I I gotta say I don't know why. He got married again. Yeah. And above that, you shouldn't be asking your new wife to name your child after your dead wife. That's weird. That's a weird thing to right. ask in the first place. Mm -hmm. May she rest peacefully, obviously. Correct. But yeah. But yeah, I, I, yeah. One of the posters online said, it is sad that his previous wife has passed, but you are his future and so is your child. They are being totally unreasonable and selfish to you she should suggest uh naming the baby after her new divorce attorney 
Bob Loblaw. <laughs> and his Loblog. Uh, All right. <laughs> well, this, she this should is, name it Bob Waterfield, actually. <laughs> this is, uh, I'm going to name my daughter Judy after my new divorce attorney. This is, uh, honey, this is Judy. Judy's going to go over some fine points. This is our new, this is our you. daughter Alimony. <laughs> Allie Money. <laughs> All right. Well, I just wondered what you might have thought about that. Sounds like we're all in agreement that that's a bad idea. Matt Harpering's coming up next. We'll ask him about this. Maybe not. Oh. Okay. All right. All right. Let's uh, let's Jake, get on with it. Then. Gordon Jake says, "I'm trying hard to care about this." <laughs> Such a disrespectful comment. That is I not. That it is, is disrespectful. Not. It's not inaccurate. But extremely disrespectful. Well, that's disrespectful, too. (laughs) I respect Gordon entirely. I just don't know. Like, it just runs through my mind. How can, like, some editor somewhere be like, get Horton on the phone. Get him down there. Stat. We've got a a child naming issue that we've got to write about immediately. It draws eyeballs, man. Draws eyeballs. The local childbirth name beat writer on the case. Get down there immediately. Knew I went to college hey, it, for a it, reason. It, I mean, it does. It, it people are interested, you know. So that's why it's written about. But I, I whether that was not the issue. The issue was was she justified? Was she being reasonable for refusing? And I think the answer to that is a resounding yes. No, no, no. I mean, a resounding <laughs> no. I'm sorry. Matt Arpring joins us next. Ninety-seven five and twelve eighty. The zone. Me. Help me. <laughs> 